Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations where we're about to find out about newborn sleep. Care Plus Pharmacy presents Care and Conversations, a podcast for new parents hosted by mom and brand director Leanne Highland. On this podcast, we want to help you through the scary firsts of parenting and newborn life, bringing you practical advice from the people that know. Hold on tight and enjoy the journey. We've got you. Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations podcast. In today's episode, we cover everything you need to know about your baby's sleep in the early weeks and months. To talk to us about this, we have renowned sleep expert, Erica Hargaden. Erica is a busy mum of three, a certified child sleep consultant and a member of the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants. Erica is also founder of Babogue, offering courses and consultations and has already worked with over three and a half thousand families in 33 different countries. Erica is passionate about empowering families in their parenting journey and creating healthy sleep habits. Erica, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to get to chat to you today. God, I'm delighted with that introduction. Thank you for reminding me, Leanne. <laughs> it's incredible. 33 countries. Yeah, yeah. The, the Sleep Series, which is our online course, has really helped us to go global in terms of how we help families. A lot of those would be Irish families living abroad, which is lovely to be able to touch families and let them come back to what they're familiar with in terms of help and support when they're working through one of the most different and challenging times of their lives, having a new baby join their their family. Erica, I think it would be great to start really at the start for parents. So thinking about the beginning of a parent's journey, what would they expect from the child's sleep at newborn stage? Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing I think is to keep your expectations very, very low. Every child, every baby is going to be slightly different. So we're all a little bit, uh, you know, involved in the comparison side of things. And we have that window into everybody's lives through our, our little phones, our devices in our hands. Keep yourself to yourself. Keep your expectations low. And really, it is about just trying to get through it. Small amounts of sleep do a lot for a newborn baby and really just working through the survival mode. Like you have to try and bond first. That is really what is most important. If you're a breastfeeding parent, then trying to establish your feeding supply and getting to grips with that new skill in itself, you know, for you and for the baby and really establishing bond. I would kind of put anything to do with expectations around sleep out the window. Try and focus in on getting as much support from external, you know, be it that family friends, you know, people who are going to come in and do your cleaning, get somebody to deliver you meals. Focus on those things rather than on how much my baby should or should not be sleeping. Erica, what would be your advice for parents to set up a safe sleep environment for baby? We hear about that a lot. And what would that kind of look like? We hear about it a lot and we're also bombarded a lot by all the different products that promise better sleep, but may not necessarily actually bring safe sleep. So less is best. So the less you put into the sleep environment, the better for the baby in particular and for the parents. Okay, so think, you know, the co-sleepers at the side of the bed. If you have a newborn involved, think Moses basket. Don't think that you need to have the Instagram perfect, you know, nursery setup. You don't. Less 
is best. You know, no blankets, focus in on the safe sleep mm -hmm. side of things. Really and truly, I'd say to all parents, go to the American Academy of Pediatrics website. They have the most extensive safe sleep guide that any parent can dip into, okay? Now, different jurisdictions or different countries will have slightly different recommendations, but those are the Bible. They're the ones that all of the different countries work off. And for me, when I'm working with parents and advising parents, they're the ones to go to. So less is best. Co-sleeper, Moses basket, crib at the side of your bed, you know, Think about those things. I really advise parents, nests, pods and positioners are not considered safe sleep. So try and avoid those in terms of your newborn sleep setups um, in mm -hmm. those early few weeks. Okay, yeah, no, that, that's really good. And what we'll do is we will link in the show notes that recommendation for that website that you just mentioned there, Erica. Yeah, and even my website has loads of resources in relation to oh, that as well. Yeah, like we have a, an extensive blog in relation to safe sleep and loads on on the Instagram account too. You'll, you'll be able to find what you're looking for even with those. Erica, as parents, we really understand the importance of sleep for the baby. But I also think it's really good at this point to remind parents that sleep is just as good for them. And now I know that's a challenge, but... Are there any tips that you could share with parents in terms of making sure that they're, I don't know, set up for success around their sleep? Absolutely. Take the view of I could be disrupted at any point. So that providing yourself the opportunity to sleep is most important. So put the emphasis on I'm going to go to bed rather than I'm going to put on a wash. I'm going to have a cup of tea, even though you might like to have one. I'm going to scroll on my phone for an hour. You, you need to make sure that you go to bed. So when the baby is asleep, put your head down. And I wish when my little guy, who's now 13, was born, I had have taken that advice. You know, sleep when the baby sleeps is something that every parent should do. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about anything else. Just put your head down and get those 40 winks and divide and conquer. So if you've got a two-parent household, you know, or you've got somebody who's going to give you a little bit of an extra pair of hands, divide. So if baby is a little bit unsettled that day and not necessarily sleeping for windows of time that would give you the opportunity to sleep, ha hand over and say, I'm going to go to bed for an hour. Baby is fed. Uh, you know, this, that and the other is done. Please try and let me sleep for, you know, an hour, 90 minutes. Those types of sleep windows for parents during the day the naps are great refreshers. And then when it comes to going down for the night, go to bed. You may really want to watch that show on Netflix. It'll still be there in six months time. You may really want to check out what the latest person has released on, on Instagram. It'll still be there in six months time. Put your head down and get your so sleep. True. Prioritize so it. It is true. It is true. But when I was having my children... We di I didn't have an iPhone. Imagine I didn't have a smart device. They didn't exist that back imagine, then. Imagine. But I still was guilty. 13 years ago, they were only just starting to come out, I think. I think my husband had one. I didn't have one. But um, I was guilty of that. Like, I'm going to sit up and watch, you know, whatever soap opera. Or I'm going to watch, you know, that, that Grey's Anatomy or whatever it was at the time. And I didn't go to bed. But the self-care for me, looking back would have been to actually go to bed. That would have been more beneficial to me than any amount of television. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just about really being strict with yourself. And I think I was probably guilty of it as well, but it's looking back over the last two years that if I was to go back, oh, those missed hours, if I could get those missed hours back, (laughs) it's gold. Just take the gold when you can because you miss it so much two years down the line. Absolutely. If anybody only takes this from the podcast, that would be the biggest thing. It'd be a win. It'd be a win for both of us. This is parenting gold, you know, but it it is, I know as a new parent, it could be very hard to see that and see that advice, you know, and also you're looking at your house and it's a mess and you're looking at your hoover on the ground and you're looking at the pile of washing and you're looking at, and those things would drive me mad. I'm, 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 I like, I don't like clutter, but just try and ignore it and and put the head down and get the sleep that you need. And I think also as well, there's probably those parents that are quite nervous. So the baby's asleep. So they're just staring at the baby. They're so paranoid. So they're just literally looking at the baby asleep, making sure that the baby's fine, which of course they are. But I get that there's probably a bit of anxiety as well, kind of looking out for them. In the first few days. My, my husband definitely would have had that. He, he would have had that thing where he just wanted to sit and, and watch, particularly the first one. It kind of, you know, petered out a little bit with the other two. God love them. But certainly <laughs> with the first off. one. Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit more. But there's great devices on the market to help with that in terms of the monitoring side of things. They're not necessarily, you know, they're, they're not going to stop everything, but they, they would help with maybe giving that level of comfort to a new parent to help them be able to maybe drop off and have your little sleep while baby is sleeping. I'd love to talk um, to you, Erica, about sleep routines. So we hear about this idea of a sleep routine. What's your advice there? You can actually introduce loose routine very loose, from six to eight weeks. When you see those first social smiles on a baby, that actually is linked and there is behind it some development around hormones related to sleep. So with cortisol and with melatonin, right? So you can actually harness that and introduce very loose, very flexible, very baby responsive sleep routine, nothing rigid, very, very loose, okay? But really... From there, there is all this development that happens between that time frame and maybe six, seven and eight months. And baby sleep will evolve massively in that time frame. Okay, so really it's about understanding the different phases of sleep within that time and putting in place a loose, flexible routine that fits with your baby's development. So You can have routine at four months, but it needs to be loose and baby responsive. You need, you can have routine, but it'll be slightly different at six months. So I always go back to when is the parent ready to introduce routine? Some parents like me, right, would have routine from the very beginning because I thrive on it. I love routine. That's me as a mum. Okay. But there's another parent who won't thrive on that and will feel very restricted and will feel a bit hemmed in. And, you know, that's not good for the parent or the baby. So it's really down to when you're ready. Maybe you might go, no, I'm not going to introduce any routine until just before I'm going back to work. Perfect. Then that's happy mummy and happy baby and everyone's happy. But if you're wanting, let's say, from four to six months to have a little bit more of a settled 
solid sleeping routine, then routine in the daytime and placing routine around sleep and the nighttime sleep is going to help that. I think that's something that parents struggle with. They know that routine will help, but they feel a little bit hemmed in and a little bit restricted by routine. So, but the be all and end all is human bodies thrive on routine. Be you four months old or 43 like me, we thrive on routine. So placing routine around our lives helps our body know when things are happening and helps our hormone releases, helps that body regulation. But it just needs to be done in a developmentally appropriate way. And that's different at every age range. That's so interesting. I have honestly never heard of that. Really? But actually, when you say it makes such sense, it changes all of the time. They're developing all of the time. And that idea that your routine is an evolution is amazing because it kind of goes against the word routine. So I think the way you've explained that is really interesting because I never, ever thought of it like that. Yeah, it is an evolution. Like what a four-month-old will be doing with their sleep and what a nine-month-old will be doing with their sleep are incredibly different. Complete opposites. Complete opposites. And that's down to development. That's down to evolution around their capabilities with sleep. And because really behind that is body processes, hormone releases, brain development, physical development, it's all intrinsically linked. And what a nine-month-old will be doing versus an 18-month-old are completely different. So it's really, I think a lot of the mystery around sleep is down to lack of education, lack of knowledge. Parents need to be given the like top line information, you don't need to be bamboozled with the science behind it, but like enough for us to understand how to support our children's developing sleep patterns. Erica, I'm just going to ask you about something that as a parent came up a lot. (laughs) It's always the same question. Does your baby sleep during the night? Does she sleep through? And then you kind of answer the question, which in my case is always no. And then if the other person is like, oh, well, I have a baby too. And oh, sleeps through the night since like three months or 12 weeks and flying. And and then you have this weird comparison and you're like, what am I doing wrong? And you think to yourself, God, every baby's different. What is the definition around that? Because some people would say, yeah, sleep during the night because they actually slept for five hours in, you know, in, in one period. So is there an official definition? And then secondly, is there a rule around that? By a certain age, should your baby be sleeping during the night? I'd love to know. <laughs> let's, um, let's absolutely push out that word rule when it comes to sleep. There's no rules. There's no rules, lads. There's no rules. There's only guides and recommendations and that's it. What, you know, the rules around safe sleep. Yes, I'd love everybody to follow those. But otherwise, it's down to what parents feel. So if a child is sleeping a five hour stretch overnight and the parent is like, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, they slept through the night, then tick that box. They slept through the night. That's defined by you. But and I'm doing the official uh, guide would be a six hour stretch. So if a child is sleeping for six consecutive hours, that would be considered, and I'm choosing my words wisely here, it'd be considered sleeping through the night. Now, six consecutive hours for most adults is a, a fairly decent stretch of sleep. Like, you know, the recommendations would be that an adult gets between six and eight hours a, a night. So, you know, it's kind of maybe defined on what the adult feels 
they uh, have gotten a decent, you know, stretch of sleep with. But like, it's also very, very age range, you know, yeah. like, you know, a four month old, there'd be very few four month olds who would be sleeping six hour stretches. Like, let's blast that myth. Very few. Can we, yeah, can we say that out loud? Yeah. Because it'll make so many people feel so much better because yeah. I did not have that. Leanne, there's very few nine-month-olds who are sleeping through the night without waking for a feed. There's very few 12-month-olds that are sleeping through the night 100%. without a feed. Like, re- very, very few. And we're blessed in Ireland. Our breastfeeding rates are re- are quite high and they're growing all the time. And that has a- an impact, too, in terms of your feeding preference is going going to have an impact in on whether your baby will sleep through the night without a feed. Now, if you have a 12-month-old who's waking every two hours overnight, then maybe there's something else afoot, okay? You know, yeah. that's... that's the, There's a red flag there. There's a red flag. There's like, you know, hi, let's maybe have a chat about this. But if you have a nine-month-old and they're going to bed at seven and they're waking once overnight for a feed and they're sleeping on till six o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, Wayne, you need to be doing a little dance in front of the kettle in the morning and wiggling your bum. Like, do you know, let's, let's, let's count all the wins. That's why I'm saying stay in your own lane. And like equally, if you have a nine-month-old and that that wake during the night is absolutely killing you and you are not getting back to sleep. That's okay too. Look at your own situation. If the fe- the situation feels fraught to you as a parent, mm. then, you know, it's okay to feel that feeling. That's all right. It's okay for the situation to feel a bit of fraught and then maybe look at the whole situation and go, right, have I a bottle-fed baby? Have I a breastfed baby? Have I a baby that's well-established on solids? Have I not? Are they self-settling? There's loads of different, I call it the seven steps, there's loads of different steps involved in a baby sleeping really well. And if a lot of those steps are being ticked, then you probably are a long way towards the baby developmentally being able to harness their ability to sleep. Yeah, that's very, very true. And when you mentioned those seven steps, Erica, is that what you kind of build your kind of strategy, your sleep strategy around these kind of seven steps? Is that what a parent would embrace? So in the sleep series, which are the online sleep courses that we have, the entire course is based around the seven steps. Now there is... There's you in each course, there's about two and a half hours of information, but that is sandwiched between the seven steps. So the seven steps are the core of it. These are the things that are going to help you really settle this down. Plus that education that I talked about, the understanding within an age range of what's going on with your your child. With with when parents come to me one to one, I will look at those seven steps. I will go, okay. What's going on here? Is the sleep environment box being ticked? What's going on there? You know, what's the feeding side of things? What's the napping looking like? Is this baby able to self-settle? You know, what's the what's the milk and the solids, you know, balance going on? There's lots of different things I look at and and try and see where the gaps are or where we can tweak things to bring baby to a developmentally appropriate position around their sleep. And when you talk about self-settling, can you just give me a bit of information on that? Because what would define that? So a baby able to go to sleep themselves independently without the age or physical presence of a parent. Okay, so you're putting the baby into bed or whatever 
and then you're you're leaving the room and then they they can actually go sleep rather than putting them in a sleep obviously yes but okay. I, I think a lot of parents feel really overwhelmed by that okay they're like holding a baby in their arms and like oh my god there's no way my child could ever ever do that Again, it's developmentally appropriate. So that can be started. You can start working on it, working towards it. You're not going to go from holding the baby one day to the baby falling asleep in their cot the following day. You will need to put steps and measures in place and just follow a little bit of a, a transition phase in order to get your baby to that position. And also it, it's down to age. Like, what a four-month-old can do and what a nine-month-old can do and what a 12-month-old can do and a 22-month-old can do are all very different things. And how you would work on establishing their skill around falling asleep independently for each of those ages are very different. I, I don't do this like this is the only way that you can work on self-settling. I look at the parent involved and their parenting style. I look at the baby's temperament and I look at, you know, the age range involved because what I feel what you would do with any age range is completely different. So that one size fits all doesn't sit well with me. Um, and that's, that's also in my sleep programs in the sleep series. Um, they get access to all of the different methods and measures and changes that I would recommend in a one-to-one. -one. So they just, the parent, yeah, the parent just needs to take that information and apply it to their, their household. And, and so many have done that with great success using those. Yeah. And I, and I think it's great that you're saying that, you know, you've different methods that you'd recommend and that it's kind of an individual approach. Yeah for each family and each baby, each parent, because I think that's true. Because when you think about, sometimes when you talk about like, you know, the idea of like putting in routines or, you know, working with a sleep consultant, you know, people say, well, I don't know whether that's for me because, you know, I have to do cry out and that's, I feel uncomfortable doing that. Yes. And I think that's what we need to, to tell people now that that's not the case at all. It's, if you're uncomfortable with that, that's fine, but there's different ways you can do it. And if you work with a sleep consultant, if you work with Babo, you can do, it's whatever you're most comfortable with. Yeah, we really try and respect that. Really, really try. Yeah. Because like, Leanne, you and I could be best friends, right? And we could have been pregnant at the same time. And we could like all the same things. We could go to a shop and we pick the same top. We could go to a cafe and we could order the same coffee. But when it comes to our kids, we might make very different choices. And our babies could have been born in the same hospital on the same day in the same hour but be very different babies. Yeah. So really trying to respect who we are as parents and who we are before parenting and after parenting can be a little bit yeah, different. Because they're different people. Different people, different <laughs> new, new chapter, but respect who we are as parents and respect other people and who they are as parents and respect yeah. our little person, uh, I think are really big parts of working on the sleep picture. It's Because it's quite an emotive thing it's really emotive and trying to respect all of those facets and factors for me is a big part of what I do because I know when I was working on it 13 years ago, I felt really judged. I felt really, yeah, I did felt really judged because I, I put in place a routine and people I knew didn't put in place routines, but yet their babies were sleeping great and mine was waking every 45 minutes. But when I put in place routine, it changed 
our lives. I can't tell you how much it changed our lives. Yeah, I think stay in your lane is probably a really, really good quote from this podcast. So many people don't. And I've had conversations with people like, you know, that maybe have had babies after me. And I would always say to them, ask advice and ask the questions. But sometimes you just have to take all the information in and make your own call on it. And then sometimes you might have to just block out the noise because it's too distracting and you have to go with your gut a lot of the time because only you know your baby. I was going to say that as well, Leanne. Follow your gut, girls and guys, any any guys that might be listening, follow your gut. You know your baby better than anyone else on this planet. If I had followed my gut more in those early few months with Quinn, who's my eldest, I I really think I might have saved myself a lot of angst and my my husband a lot of angst. And when I went on to have two more children, I followed my gut. And honestly, parenting was so much, I wouldn't say easier, but a little bit smoother because I wasn't constantly second guessing myself. Believe in yourself, girls. You know what you're doing. It's in you. It's there. And really, maybe just getting your your thoughts in that place of i know what's best for my baby i know what's best for me i'm i'm going to listen to this but i'm going to take from it what kind of resonates with me and then the rest of it i'm just going to leave aside which is cool what about um erica and you probably see a lot i'm sure a lot of people come to you around the extreme challenging times so those parents who are maybe navigating whether it's illness, whether it's colic, reflux, and maybe babies who are just struggling a bit, they're crying all night, they're pacing up and down the house. I would imagine you're probably there to help people in those really challenging times. And do you see that a lot? Is it fair to say? Or is there any kind of top tips you can give? What I will say around things like illness, wind, colic, and teething, they do pass. And I think when you are working through those points in time, focusing in on trying to achieve calm with baby rather than asleep is is a tip. A lot of the focus is on, I need to get the baby to sleep, I need to get the baby to sleep, I need to get the baby to sleep, right? And everybody then is a bit fraught and everybody's feeling that that higher octane of, of emotions, okay? Just maybe bring it calm a little bit and that box of, my baby is teething and what they need from me is support right now. I think when you change the vibration around it, then you might see a little bit of a calmer situation happening. When you've got illness, you have to let the illness pass, okay? If you've got sleep challenges post-illness and you had settled sleep prior to illness, then you need to focus in on returning back to your sleep norms. You need to, rather than maybe continuing to offer a bottle where bottles weren't offered previously, you need to return back to what your sleep norms were before illness, okay? That's one of the biggest challenges for parents when they go through these blips. I would I would refer to those yeah. as blips. Um, that something comes into place, a new habit comes in around sleep. Maybe it's rocking, maybe it's a bottle, Maybe it's going in the car. Maybe it's the buggy. Maybe it's getting up at 5 a.m. and watching Peppa Pig. Those things need to be paired back to help you return to your norms around sleep prior to those blips. They are points in time that will pass, given the opportunity to pass. 
Okay, that's that's a that kind of leads me to my next question then, Erica. So, for example, if a parent is going really well, they've introduced a really good sleep routine. And then we get the or word, which is the regression, which is the word I just absolutely hate hearing. And and I, I know that they last a, a certain period of time. And again, like just what you said there, you know, they, they do pass. Can that undo all of the good work? I'm going to reframe regression. And it's, it's actually a progression. All regressions in relation to children are actually progressions in relation to something else. That is very clever. Yep. So let's reframe it. My child is going through a progression, so therefore their sleep is a little bit disrupted. Do I need to tweak something in their daily routine to support their continuing development? So for example, a lot of parents would see regression, okay, around sleep where a child starts to walk, okay? So... Yes, that's the big one. That's the big one. So the transition to one nap a day is very linked to when a child starts to walk. So you're going to see starting to walk and big disruption around those two glorious naps that you enjoyed. That morning one where you had your first cup of coffee that was hot and that afternoon one maybe where maybe you went for a walk with baby in the buggy or maybe you did a workout, whatever floats your boat, right? So there's disruption around those. So this progression that your baby is going through around learning to walk Right. And we're all we all love when they start walking and then we realize that everything's going to get pulled off the shelves. But we so you're like, oh, my God, they're learning to walk. But the naps are going awry. That's because this progression is linked to a big development in their sleep that you need then to respond to by making some changes. And that's usually the same around pretty much any regression that you need to tweak something in order for your baby to then go back into their, you know, maybe normal sleeping pattern. Now, I find 18 months, that's more anxiety based. It's more separation based. And usually you will, it's down to communication that they've started to get to grips with communication and they're going, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay with me. They're very much more aware of that, like connection and presence. So you might need to go to a place of staying and supporting baby while they're through this phase, but then fading it out as baby gets more settled into their routine and settled into this new stage for them, you can fade that back. So really it's about recognizing progressions. A lot of parents have the uh, app that talks about leaps. Yes. What do you think of them? I think they create a lot of anxiety for parents. I think that they're looking yeah, that they're looking at it going, oh my God, there's a leap coming. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh my God, oh my God, right? They're scared out of their wits. There's 100% anxiety around it. I, I disabled all of mine. I got so fixated on them and then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I never had it So I, as a parent, but I've worked with lots of parents who have and I would say, will you turn off the app while you're working with me? Will you just turn off the notifications? Because let's let's look at the baby rather than looking at what the phone is telling you to do. The baby is going to show you what they need because the phone might say that they're in a leap, but maybe they're not actually in a leap. Maybe they're teething or maybe they have an ear infection or maybe they just need a tweak in their second nap or, you know. So I think, again, it really comes back to, Leanne, as parents, us being given the information around sleep so that we can understand it and therefore respond to what our babies need. 
Erica, before I let you go, can I ask for parents who are thinking about bringing their babies away, whether it's or even just changing location where they sleep, do you have any key top tips that you would give parents in terms of getting themselves ready for that? Do you bring certain things? Yeah, I, I th- definitely around bringing certain things, but also keep your expectations real. If you have a sensitive sleeper, then it is probably going to be the case that maybe your first night of two in new accommodation, in a new environment, is going to rattle them a little bit. Like, where am I? What's going on? You know, this is new. I, I don't know where I am, you know. So... Try if you're traveling. Um, If you're in Ireland, you have options. You know, if you're at home, holidaying at home, you can easily maybe choose when you arrive at your accommodation. Most places let you in by 3 p.m. Try and arrive at that time. And that allows baby to go, oh, I see this place in daylight. Maybe pop them into their cot or their travel cot and let them have a little play with some toys. Let them see the room that they're sleeping in. Give a little bit of time. That's really important. Play peekaboo with them. Show them that this is a safe, nice place for them to be in. Maybe if you're traveling abroad, you won't have that option because you're tied to aeroplane schedules and Mm -hmm. and all the rest but the same kind of principle arise don't rush baby give baby the opportunity to just get to grips with where they are okay the other thing is bring familiar things so you know irish people were great at the fresh linen out of the press you know freshly washed you know you don't bring it in dirty now you know, fresh no, no, pajamas no. and fresh sleeping bag and fresh fitted and sheet, okay? And your Barry's tea. And your Barry's tea. I'm a coffee girl. But anyway, um, I would say whip the fitted sheet off the cot that the baby has slept on. Whip the sleeping Good. bag off the bit because then they've got that smell of themselves, the familiarity, the smell of you, the smell of home, the smell of everything, okay? Like really two days, like, you know, you don't want to bring one that they've been sleeping on for a week or two, but like... You know, if they've been sleeping on it for two days, that's enough. But you bring these things that are familiar. Put them onto the cot before you arrive. I have stayed in all different types of accommodation with my kids. I have yet to see a hotel provide a fitted sheet. Never. It's always the fold-in sheets. So bring your own fitted sheet for whatever cot that they provide. Quiz them. What type of cot is it? Is it a travel cot? Is it a is it an actual cot? You know, some places will allow you to hire an actual cot rather than a travel cot because sometimes things can be a bit grubby and that's baby probably wouldn't notice, but we'd be like, oh, that's a bit grubby. Do you know? So bring the familiar things. Make sure that you bring whatever lovey they have. If they have a particular blanket, don't forget those things, okay? And again, going back to one of the other um, points, aim for calm rather than asleep. So like... On that first night, it's lots of calming, lots of time, lots of support. Stay with them if needed. Expect a little bit of disruption. And then that might help baby just feel a little bit more supported and settled in this new environment. And darkness. Lads, darkness is key. So again, I've stayed in all different types of accommodation, Airbnbs, hotels. I've yet to be in one that provides really, really dark environments. So again, quiz the hotel, quiz the Airbnb, quiz, you know, whoever you're, wherever you're staying. But black, black bin liners, like, 
stuck to the windows works really, really well in a situation where you need to get a room a little bit darker. There's obviously, you know, the ones you can buy that function onto the windows. Also routine. Everybody's like, I need to keep my routine. Ah, lads, you're on holidays. Have a bit of crack. Let the, <laughs> let the routine go a little bit, okay? Get out and see the world. You know, if you've travelled all the way to Portugal, go and see it, you know? Like if you're down in, in, in Dunmore East or Ross Lair, go and see it. So like have the naps out and about, but you might need to invest in some kind of blackout solution for the buggy in order for baby to have a settled sleep at the time that you'd like them to. There's loads of different options around that available. And there's also options that you can put over a cot um, that create that blackout situation. I've seen those used and they're brilliant. So like those types of things can really help you have a great holiday experience with your baby. They're really good tips. But if one tip I have for parents who have children in a bed, they're often the bed rail comes up. Oh my God, do I need to buy a portable bed rail to bring with me? Will the accommodation provide a bed rail? You know, all of that. So I turn the duvet on its edge. So you know the way a duvet lies straight? Turn it on yes. its edge and therefore you tuck it in at the sides and you have created a tucked in environment for your baby or your, your toddler or your child. Very so, clever. So I put this on my Instagram when I was away on my holidays and everyone was like, oh my God, this is genius. So I was like, is it, it, is genius. is it really? It's just so that I don't have to bring a bed rail. Otherwise he'd fall out. <laughs> yeah. And I took him in and the nights where I put him to bed and I did that tuck, he slept really well. Whereas what, there was one night my husband put him to bed and he, you know, didn't do the tuck. He fell out three times. Do you know? Everything that you said today has just been a game changer. Before you go, what one piece of advice would you give to a new parent? So this little kind of pearl of wisdom that you'd like to pass on. Trust yourself. You know your baby. And we've said this already. And let's just reiterate it again. You know your baby better than anyone. I know my children better than anyone. You know, you need to trust instincts. I think we've maybe slightly moved away from trusting our instincts and we're more trusting what our phones are telling us and what our apps are telling us. Trust that feeling. If it doesn't feel right to you, then it's not right. If, if, if it feels, but equally, if it feels right to you, then it probably is right. So trust yourself and you probably will find you'll not steer yourself too far wrong. And I think the longer you get into the journey, the more you trust. It, it does come. Oh, I think even in the first year. Yeah, in the first year, if you feel a bit at sea, oh my God, that's yeah. so normal. I don't think I actually felt it until Kate came along two years later. But I think if you're feeling at sea and you're feeling a bit swamped yeah. and you're a bit lost, that's okay. It's, it's, it's normal. It's such a big change it's in your so life. Yeah, so normal. And, you know, but seek help. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, reach out to somebody that you think you can talk to. It's okay. Usually when you talk about something, it, it really, really helps, you know, any situation. Erica, maybe if you could just um, tell our listeners what your Instagram handle is and your website address, that'd be great. So you'll find loads of free usable content on babogue underscore sleep. So B-A-B-O-G-U-E underscore sleep. And then on our website, uh, babogue.com, it is populated. Again, loads of usable resources. I'm very much about making sure that 
whatever stage you're at, you could go on to the Instagram account, the Facebook page or the website and find something that's going to help you. Erica, you are a superstar. Thank you so much for giving the time today because it's been really, really such a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Caring Conversations. Get lots more help, advice and information on our Care Plus Baby Club. It's easy and free to join. Just click the link in the show notes on your podcast player right now. Join us on our next podcast where we talk about mother's emotional and mental health. To get it automatically, just click the follow button on your player right now. Caring Conversations is produced by DustPod.io and brought to you by Care Plus Pharmacy with outlets right across Ireland. Find your nearest Care Plus Pharmacy at careplus.ie. Until next time, from all the Care Plus Pharmacy team, thank you for listening.